Hey, welcome to Riding in the Weeds with Ginny and Tash. We are here for episode three of season two. We're so excited. And what we're going to do today is we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what Ginny does with her connecting with pets. So I don't know if you guys are as curious about this as I am. I've known Ginny for a long time and I still am so intrigued by the concept of being able to talk to animals, connect with the animals, and we've just been having the most hilarious conversation. So we figured we should push record and get you guys in on here. So if you have pets, if you have things going on with your animals, you want to tune into this episode and find out a little bit more about this whole industry. There, This is not some spiritual thing that people do. Like this is legit. I've been on Facebook before and seen people like ask, do you know a animal communicator? So we're going to start with the kind of industry and then we're going to actually dive in to talking to my dog, Tiaki. So let's get rolling here and make this into a real conversation. Okay, Ginny, are you up for this? Yeah, let's roll. This should be fun. Awesome. I'm so excited. So as I was saying, when I first heard about this, I was like, what on earth do you do? Like you talk to animals and I'm like, this must be a super random thing. You were born with it, whatever. But as I've gotten to know you, you got training in this is a legit industry. And not only that, but vets actually recommend that you should talk to your pets and that will reduce the amount of times that you need to go to the vet and potentially enable you to catch things that are going on sooner. So tell us a little bit about that. So animal communication is basically an intuitive connection with an animal. And anyone can learn to do this. It is not some super special, super secret superpower or something. We all have the ability to connect intuitively with each other, with our pets, with people and animals who have crossed over, it's all there. It's an innate skill that we've forgotten. So if you and your partner have ever been doing something and said the same thing at the same time or decided to go to the same place for dinner and not told each other you were doing it or you were thinking of someone and they call, those are intuitive connections. That's just what that is. So We all have access to it, but it takes practice to be able to do it on purpose and intentionally and then really get to the point where you can receive information and you're passing information back and forth. The tricky thing with pets is that they are their own beings. They are their own independent beings, so they can choose what they wish to do. And we cannot force them into doing anything. Frequently, they have very valid reasons for doing what they do whenever they choose to do it. A lot of times, those things don't really jive very well with our human-structured world. And so a lot of what I do is centered around helping people and their pets just get along better and function better together. Sometimes it's a miscommunication. It's as simple as the pet misunderstanding what the human might want. Sometimes it's the human not being clear enough about what they're asking for. The situation can just be simply the pet misunderstanding what we need or want in the moment. And then the last part is that sometimes our energy can get mixed up and cause problems with how our pet's responding. So how we respond to the situation can have a large bearing on our pet's behavior. Frequently, that's what I work with with pet owners 
is that I help make sure that the energy of the situation is clear so they're getting the response that they want from their pets. So it's really fun. I learned a lot of interesting things. I've had the honor of talking with a lot of pets in a lot of places. I believe I've talked with pets in South Africa and New Zealand and Ireland. I'm U.S.-based, but obviously distance and space don't matter when you're doing this work. So Tosh is way over in Canada right now, and I'm on the East Coast of the U.S., and so we can still connect and tune in. So that's a little bit about it. And yeah, so I'm excited to have this conversation today. Awesome. Okay, cool. I have a couple of questions. First is that I have flies flying around me right now. Can you talk to flies? Can you tell them to go away? I mean, here's the thing. We can connect with anything if you really want to. I've never tried to connect with flies. Generally, I am as annoyed by them as anyone else. One of my mentors, though, used to say that flies were visiting pets or people who had crossed over that you used to know. So sometimes how you look at things can have a bearing on it. When I'm surrounded by a thousand flies, I don't really think it's any visiting relatives or past pets. The way I do look at it, though, is for me, I get messages from the universe, from source, whatever you want to call it. And so when I see animals or bugs or whatever in unusual situations, that's when I started trying to figure out, is there a message here for me? I love foxes. Anybody that's known me for a while knows I, they're one of my favorite animals. And part of that is because I saw them for two weeks straight. Every day I saw a fox. And some days it was like two or three in, in completely different places. And I was complaining to a friend and I was like, I can't stop seeing foxes. She was like, you should probably look up the message. I was like, oh. <laughs> and it had um, the most amazing message for me. So I've had other experiences like that. I've had experiences like that with herons, with ants. So sometimes when you find animals in odd places or you just can't stop seeing them, there might be a piece of information there for you. So maybe the flies, maybe you should just sit down and sit with that and meditate and see if there's a, some sort of message for you. <laughs> My dad used to tell me that if you're super happy around flies, that they'll leave. And so I used to try that. Like, okay, I'll be super nice to the fly. Didn't generally work. Okay, so <laughs> the, the other one is, can you tell us about any specific time where you had the most extraordinary result where... You spoke to an animal and whether it was them telling you that there was something going on with them and they went to the vet. Give us a couple of highlights from your career. Yeah, I have numerous stories, of course, but one of my favorites involves a dog named Brownie. His owner approached me because she and I had been acquaintances for a while and she came to me and said, I am having these problems because he won't stop licking the carpet. He was a chocolate lab and that's not out of the ordinary for labs, but it was obsessive, compulsive, would not stop. She had been to the vet. They gave her anti-anxiety medication for him. It kind of worked at first, and then it took two pills, and then two pills stopped working. And so she was just at her wits end. It's not a healthy thing for an animal to do. Compulsive behaviors in general, they aren't healthy in people or animals. And so she was just trying to figure out what was going on. I don't want to know a lot about the animal or the situation when I start working because I want to really have as clean a slate as possible to connect with the pet and find out from their perspective what's happening. And so she didn't tell me a whole lot of what was going on. When I tuned in with him, I got this overwhelming wave of grief. 
and sadness. And I was really struck by it. Underneath that, I could feel that he was still a happy dog. He had a great life. He was a, a good companion and um, loved his family and everything, but he was sad. And so I came back to her and I said, this is what I was feeling. And she goes, oh, that's really interesting. And I said, what's going on? And she said she had split from her husband and he was really bonded with her husband. They had three dogs in their family and the alpha dog, the one that kept the pack in order and together, had passed away. She had moved several times just due to the circumstances. She had two kids, and so they were trying to find their footing after her divorce. And the dog was just grieving. She and I had quite a long conversation just about processing that emotion and acknowledging it, and that sometimes when things happen in our lives, it's okay to grieve what didn't happen. When you get married, you have the anticipation of having this great, happy relationship, and when that doesn't happen, even though no one died, something has changed in your life. So we talked a lot about that. And when we were wrapping it up, I said, I think it would be helpful to do some energy work. And we outlined a plan and I offered her a package deal for some things. And she said, yeah, that's great. I'll reach back out to you. So a week went by and I didn't hear from her. And I'm like, oh man, that's the worst thing as a business owner. I understand things happen with people, but it don't always stinks when someone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they disappear. So I reached out to her. I said, hey, just check it in. How are things going? And she goes, oh my gosh, I've been meaning to reach out to you. He stopped licking the carpet completely. So cool. And all he needed was the acknowledgement of the fact that he was in the middle of all of that with them and with the family. That was huge for me because it really taught me to not assume that I know what anybody needs in a moment and also the power of the witnessing. I think I find that's the most valuable thing for the pet is being able to witness them just as they are. If you were to go to another country and you don't speak their native language, it's hard, right? I mean, English is widely spoken, so you can kind of get by, but there are some places where English is not heavily used. And so you're going to be floundering around. It's really uncomfortable to try and communicate basic needs and where's a bathroom. So if you have a friend who says, oh, hey, I have a friend who does speak your language. I'm going to invite him over for dinner. You would be so excited, right? You'd be thrilled that you had someone who could translate for you. And could speak to your friend as well as communicate with you so everybody can understand. And that's what it's a little bit like as an animal communicator is I get to be the translator. And so for the pets, it's just this beautiful witnessing. You as a pet owner went out of your way to find someone that can connect with your pet on a whole different level. They love that. That to them is huge. And so I learned from that experience with Brownie to not underestimate the power of the simple communication of just being able to witness exactly what's happening in the moment. And I get a lot of reports after calls that pets are more snuggly or they're more friendly in a way that they hadn't been before. Or people will tell me, oh, yeah, they came over and sat with me. They don't do that in the summertime. I had a client friend who lives in Alabama where it's super hot. 
and she has a long-haired cat. And she messaged me after a session one day and she's like, it's the middle of summer and my cat wants to snuggle. That's not normal. They feel that and they appreciate that and then they want to connect more. So it's good for clearing the air and just getting everybody on the same page together and then just seeing them for exactly what they're going through because they can't leave our energy. I call it shit soup. Like whatever the shit is that we have going on, they cannot escape from. And that was the case with Brownie is he was going through that entire emotional process with his owner. And it's hard. It can be really hard. So acknowledging that for our pets is huge. And in a session that can make a big difference. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what, what we, we are going to do here is we are going to talk to my fluff bug, Tiaki. There's been times, if you've watched the YouTubes, where Tiaki has been in the podcast and jumped all over me. I don't know which episode it was, but he came in and uh, we could not get rid of him. We've got beers everywhere. Like my husband just said that he saw 20 beers yesterday. It's hibernation season. They're coming down. They really need to fatten up. So they are in everyone's compost. They're pulling the apples off of the trees. They are everywhere. And it's quite funny because in Rosalind, everybody has dogs. And so like, you hear this chorus of barking that happens. And you're like, okay, the beer is on its way over here. I was out walking at that time. We shouldn't be walking at night. And down in the distance, I heard the dogs barking. And I was like, you know, we're going to turn around because that barking is coming towards us, which means the beer is being moved in our direction. So the other night, a couple of weeks ago now, the beer came and he grabbed Tiaki's food bin and took it away. So that was episode number one. Episode number two, we had the food in a bucket, in a shed, and he came, he opened the door and he took his food. Now, anyone knows a dog, dogs are pretty protective about their food. He actually went and found his food because the beer doesn't actually want dog food. It's an attractant, but they don't actually eat it. So he went and found his food. He said, Mom, there's my food. Can you go and get it? So I was like, great, we down got his food. But ever since then, we'll be sitting here in the evening and suddenly he just starts barking. You can tell when it's a there's something out there bark. And he has been doing it in the middle of the night. Last night it started at 11 o'clock. So we're like, come on, bud. And I'm not the only one in town that is letting my dog into my bed because he's scared of the bears. Like, I've got a few friends that are doing this right now. And you got to calm the dog down, and then he feels better, and off he goes. But I've been going outside, and there's no bear. So we thought that we would dig in and find out what is going on for Tiaki and where's his fear. And I would like to say that he is the most amazing dog because he doesn't chase the bears. He just barks at them. He has no interest. And having an altercation with a beer. He is a very peaceful, pacifist dog. He will play with little dogs. He doesn't really like mid-sized dogs so much because they can be a little bit bitey with him. And he's like, I don't fight. I don't do that. So, And he loves dogs that are his size because he knows what the rules are. We're the same size. I can't hurt you. You can't hurt me. We're on a little playing field. And I feel like he's looking at this beer going, dude, you're way bigger than me. This is not going to end well. So let's get Jenny to show us this process. If you're on YouTube, you can see what's going on. Not that there's a lot going on. And if you're listening to us, then we're just going to give Jenny more cuts through the process. Uh, I will stop talking. Yeah, so there's a couple things that I want to highlight here. So Tiaki is not quite two, right? 
No, he is about 16, 17 months now. Yeah, so pretty young. It's also really great that he has no interest in chasing the bear. There's plenty of dogs that would, whether they are aware that they're in danger or not. So my sister actually had a bear drag a 50-pound bag of dog food out of her garage. Uh, She lives down in the mountains in North Carolina, and those are black bears, so they're not even all that large comparatively to some of the other varieties that you guys may be dealing with up there. It's difficult when you live in a situation where you've got other animals that are interacting with your animal that you need to watch out for. I have had a number of different clients over the years that have had situations like this where you've got to come to some sort of balance together because excessive barking isn't helpful. It doesn't really resolve the situation. And it also shows you some of the pent up energy that may be going on with the pet. But it also is just plain annoying after a while. Like we know there's bears out there. (laughs) We know they're there. So there's not really anything you can do at that point. So you have to figure out a, a happy medium in the middle to balance things out. So let's tune into Tiaki and we'll see what he has to say about the situation. The way this generally works is uh, I'm usually on the phone. I usually am not on video, I will say. But what happens is the client will call me. So generally, I start by prepping with some meditation. But I'm going to skip that part of that for this call sake today. I will generally by meditating before the call. And then when the client calls, I check in and make sure I have all the information correct. They usually send me a picture ahead of time. I only want to know really specifically the basics. So your pet's name the age, and then how long you've had him, which I know you've had Tiaki since he was pretty much a little puppy, and then who else is in the household that they may interact with on a consistent basis. So for you guys, it's you and your husband. That could be other pets. If there are other animals in the house, other dogs, other cats. In the case of horses, I want to know a little bit about the rest of the horses that they are around or if there is someone else who's caretaking for them. Um, I had some issues with a cat one time. He was peeing on the rug and a lot of it while we were out of town. So I made sure that the friend that was helping support me knew about who our neighbor was that was watching him. So that sort of situation where you've got somebody else who's consistently in the pet's life, just so that I can understand if they reference someone what's going on there. So then from there, I get quiet and tune into the pet and start to get information. And then I relay that information back to the owner. And then from there, that's when we can start to dig into the situation, the challenges, behavior or health or whatever's happening in the bigger picture that we want to get some answers for. So that's what we're going to do today in a nutshell, because we don't want to run too long for this episode. But I'm going to be quiet for just a second and start to connect with Tiaki. I've seen him before several times on video, so I know who he is. And we will see what Tiaki has to say about all this. So what's fun is that when I first tune into pets is the way I feel them come in is the way that they are in person. So the last cat I talked to was really skeptical. He was like, who are you and what are you doing? What is going on? I have had cats that I feel like are weaving around my legs. Tiaki comes through as very boisterous. He is very bouncy and excited, and I can tell he's young. Like, his energy feels like that really young, still puppy. He's really not out of the puppy stage yet. So he has a lot of energy that he comes in with, and he's just super excited about everything. He's a very happy dog. He has a little bit of, like, 
kind of dude energy. Uh, a little bit, not quite surf, like some party and have some fun and go out. He's up for whatever's going to be fun. Let's go do something fun. So I can tell he's got a lot of energy to burn off. So that can be challenging as a pet owner to manage that much energy because they need to move. Pets who don't move end up with behavior problems. That's how that works. At that point, we have to own our own contribution to that. But I know you get him a lot of exercise. So he loves going out and roaming around. I see him playing with toys and shaking his head super hard and flinging things around. He is a fun guy and just likes to play. He loves all the variety that you guys have because you're moving around a lot. You go to Mexico, you're in different places, the camper moves, and he enjoys the changes and the change of scenery, which is pretty cool because that can be stressful on some pets. So he likes that. So that's a good thing. So don't ever worry about switching things up for him. He knows the camper's home base and that wherever that is, is where you are. And that's good. So... I think the bear thing is a territory thing because he knows the camper's home and that's a little bit of an infringement on his territory. So he's trying to defend the territory. It feels like those encounters were a little closer than he was really comfortable, which I don't blame him. Yeah, Yeah, the bear encounter was definitely a little bit too close for comfort. And they are black bears, just so you know. The whole family was a little bit uh, shaken, especially the night that Ian was not here and the cat was in the cupboard where the beer came through. So yeah, totally get it. It's definitely too close. So that's a little overwhelming, I think, for him. And um, he feels like he's trying to take the role of protector. And that's reasonable. I don't blame him, but that may or may not be what's truly appropriate from a sort of human-centered view. So this is, again, where we have to figure out how to balance what's the pet's experience versus what's going on human-wise, and is that an acceptable sort of meshing of everything? To be fair, if there is a beer standing outside my camper door, I am good with my dog doing his beer back and showing that beer that this is not appropriate and he needs to back off. And that's totally cool. We're just not sure if when the heater goes on in the middle of the night, whether that's actually him, whether he's just become a little over sensitive to every little noise. Because we're in a space where there's a gravel driveway. You can hear people walking. You can hear movement on the driveway. And I'm not hearing anything and then as I say I'm walking around and I'm not seeing a beer wandering off or scampering down the road or anything like that so I'm just not sure whether he's just become overly sensitive or whether he can smell the beer I'm not him so you know yeah my sister used to deal with bears also when she lived in New Hampshire and they had a cat that it was indoor outdoor and he was very good about knowing when there was wildlife around her kiddos at the time were very young and she would go out and if jack turned around and headed home she went home she figured he knew something she didn't and that was okay with her because she really did not want to encounter a bear with toddlers so it's very possible that he's picking up on something that is outside of our awareness and we may never know how close the bear was because they can be really quiet. (laughs) For as big as they are, they can be very, very quiet. 
So it's possible that he is alerting to things. And it may be that he is more sensitive now that he had bear trying to take his food. That's legit. So he may be extra vigilant trying to make sure that something doesn't happen again. So obviously the simple fixes are making sure there's nothing that's going to attract the bears. You know all of these things, but this is the thing that I would walk through with clients is making sure that everything is taken care of so that the wildlife is not going to be as much of a problem. In the mountains where my sister and my parents are, they can't leave bird feeders out at night. Even their hummingbird feeder. Every night, my parents religiously bring the hummingbird feeder inside the house and take it back out in the morning again because otherwise it attracts the bears. And so you have to be vigilant about stuff like that when you live in an environment where that's a real thing. That's just part of life. For Tiaki, it feels like he's just a little bit on high alert right now. He's a little bit extra alert, just trying to make sure that things are okay and things are safe. The trick with reassuring, especially I find dogs, and it can sometimes apply to cats, is we have this innate tendency. We do this with people too, but at least with humans, we can rationalize things. When our pets are afraid, we often have this immediate response where we want to comfort them. But to a pet, that can sometimes validate their state of mind. I learned this with my dog with thunderstorms because he was reacting to thunderstorms. What he was really reacting to was me reacting to the thunderstorms. But the problem was that initially my response was, oh, no, I'm so sorry you're upset. It's okay. It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay. But the problem was he was in a fear state. And what am I doing? I'm praising him for being in a fear state, in a heightened state. So I learned that if I kept a more neutral response myself, because I really don't like thunderstorms, that's a thing for me. So if I just kept a neutral state and did not interact with him, yeah, it sucks that he's whining and crying. But by praising him, I'm contributing to saying, yes, that is the frame of mind you should be in. And so I'm not going to yell at him either because that's not going to help. But we got to a point where I just would leave him alone. And he needed to do whatever he needed to do to take care of himself. But I needed to take care of me first and make sure I was doing things so that I wasn't contributing to the situation. But in any situation where the animal's having a very heightened response, it's okay is not really the right thing to say because then the animal starts to think that the way they're responding is the way we want them to respond. So that's always the first thing that I have people check is check in with how am I responding when my dog overreacts to something or reacts in a way I don't want them to. Because it may or may not be contributing at that point. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've definitely, definitely been cycling through all of the things. He's a really loud bark. So we get two o'clock in the morning, suddenly the entire camper explodes in this noise. And we're both like, oh, God, it's so loud. Which is, you know, now we know. It's like, oh, okay, yep, yep, there's a bear out there. Good boy. Yeah, cool. You're doing a great job. He's gone now. Let's just calm down and go back to sleep. And if he continues, it's like, okay, well, do you want to come up here with us? hang out. We're good. Um, I've definitely gone outside and done a double check for him. We've gone through all the different things 
And I think that he's picking up on something. I was sitting there one day at a friend's house and suddenly just starts freaking out. And I'm like, Tiaki, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You're good. Don't worry about it. And then he just wouldn't stop. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should get up. And I walk outside and literally the beer had been a foot away from the side of the balcony. And I was like, you know what? And the beer is walking away. I'm like, keep barking. Like, this is good. Like, tell that beer to just keep moving. And I let him kind of deal with the beer. The beer walked away and then he calmed down and came back inside. And I was like, no, this is legitimate. This beer was thinking about jumping onto your balcony. So you, that's your job. That's what they say in Mexico. You want to make sure your dog knows the neighbors. So when the neighbors walk by, the dog doesn't respond. But you also don't want to discourage your dog from when strange people are wandering by, conditioning that dog to... Yeah, bark. And especially when you've got a cool dog like mine who will bark but not really engage. So he sounds scary, but he really isn't. He will jump all over you and love you to death. That's what dogs, right? I'm going to post out on our Instagram, uh, which is writingthelewispodcast.com. It's really not up and running, but go and follow us and there will be content coming. I'm going to post a video of just how bouncy Tiaki is because yeah. it's He's like kangaroo. It's yeah. hilarious. Super hilarious. Um, so I, I think this is the tricky thing with dogs is one of the reasons we have dogs is to alert us to things, right? That's a very valid thing. But the problem comes when it's excessive. And so that's where I start to lean on training and work with the dog to know a calming signal, like a calm down signal. I used to always tell my dogs, thank you. Whenever they would bark at something outside, I'd be like, thank you. You know, thanks for letting me know. Heads up. Yeah, I got it. I see it. Whatever it is. Thank you. So I used to acknowledge that that was what I wanted them to do. You don't want to train them not to bark at all, especially in your situation where you have a legitimate reason that you want them to be alert. You want him to know that barking at, at bears is acceptable because we don't want bears to invade our house. Bears have been known to open doors and do all sorts of things. and. So you want that response. So it's making sure that the dog knows a calm down signal or a thank you, it's fine, we can return to homeostasis neutral signal. One of the toughest things is not getting wrapped up in it. I've been there where you're just so flipping frustrated that they won't stop barking. That's the hardest thing. But when we get wrapped up in that energy, then it only perpetuates the energy for the dog which it says, yes, I should be barking my head off right now. And that's not helpful. That's where learning to manage our own energy and be independent of their energy in the situation can be really helpful. But it's not easy. It takes practice. And I'm fully well going to admit that there are days where I can do that and there are days where I cannot. <laughs> so knowing your own levels and where you're at with your own capabilities is really important with that. So some days it may be like, you know what, hubby, take the dog or, okay, it's my turn to take the dog and to deal with it. And of course, before bedtime, as much exercise as you can before sleep will always help them be tired out and settle down so that he knows that, okay, this is what we do. We just settle down and go to sleep. Yeah, yeah everything you said is awesome. It's very reassuring because it's really what we've been doing. He's not excessively backing. It is literally like, there's something out there. I'm freaked out. And so just knowing that that's what we've been doing for the most part. Thank you. 
I take him for a walk between three and six o'clock. We go for a big long walk. After that, it's not safe. And one night I was like, okay, I know you need to go for a walk. We'll try. And we had a conversation. Like, this probably really isn't that safe. There's a good chance that we're going to see if you're going to turn around. So I just walked down the road. I made it 200 meters. And then Mr. Beer came out of the road and wandered across. Tiaki didn't even notice him. So up until the food incident, he wasn't even really aware. He was like, whatever. But now he definitely heightened since the bear took his food and the cat was around. And so all of the things, knowing that we are on the right path and you're absolutely right, there are times when he starts barking for reasons that aren't to do with the bear. And when you're talking, I'm like, yeah, so often it's when Ian and I are in a space of not grounded, not doing well. And both of us are just like, dude, like you have to stop. Because when that dog barks in my ear, it's like, eardrum splitting so this has been amazing thank you so much for having a chat to him you definitely were talking to my dog because he is all of those things and he would be so excited because that's how he approaches everything he is amazing and i hope that for you guys listening that was a really good insight into what jenny does and what animal communication is i have to restrain myself like last night i'm like jenny's just like i can't call her and be like is my dog dying he just threw up is something that I'm intrigued. I wish I had the time to go and learn how to speak to my own animals. Although I think then you get a little bit interrupted as well because you've got that bias. But I love listening to what you do. I love hearing more about what is possible. Have issues with your pets. If you are trying to figure out what is going on and you're like, I just can't talk to this animal, reach out to an animal communicator. And I would say reach out to Jenny because she is awesome and can work with anyone, anywhere, and just tune in. So do you have any last words that you would like to share about your process or any of those things, Jenny? How did Yeah. Work? Thank you so much for letting me connect with Tiaki. That was a lot of fun, and he is a hilarious, fun dog. I love that kind of energy. It's just so bubbly all over the place. When you are able to connect consistently with a pet, I really do learn about their energy. One of the ways that I can help support people through either health challenges or behavior challenges is by being able to check in frequently. I have a vet friend that basically told me I tell all of my clients to go check with an animal communicator twice a year because they're going to be able to pick up faster than I can on any changes in the energy and changes in how the pet's feeling about something. So it becomes a lot easier when you develop that kind of relationship. So having an animal communicator that you can rely on to work with your pets, not just when something is going wrong, is a really useful tool to have in your tool bag for overall wellness and care. And then when you do have something that kind of arises, like this might be a good situation where in a week or so, I check back in with Yaki, just a really quick short check-in and say, okay, this is how he's feeling now. How is he responding? Have you encountered any more bears, which I'm sure you will? And how is he responding? Has it changed any? And then that way we can continue the conversation to figure out, do we need a different strategy? Does he need to understand a little better? Do we need to change your routine somehow? So we work together in a partnership to try and find solutions for you that work for you and your pet. 
And that way I'm still on board connecting with the pet and addressing things from their side. And then we work with what tools you have uh, on the other side. So it's not just a one and done thing, but maintaining that relationship is really, really valuable. So thank you guys so much for listening and letting me share. I love connecting with pets. And if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you on the show for either future episodes or questions about how any of this has gone. And we're going to have an episode in the works of Tosh coaching me on a bike. So you'll get to see her side of the deal as well. So stay tuned. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Jenny. And, and I'm, I'm just, just going to throw this out there, putting you on the spot completely. But for any of our listeners that might have a pet that might want to connect with you, do you have any sort of show specials that you'd like to throw out? So if anyone kind of contacts you from the Riding Louise podcast, do you want to Throw you are putting me on the spot. So please reach out to me. You know what? Just reach out to me and mention that you heard about me from the show. And I will set you up with something special. I do have sessions you can book straight from my website, soulpetconnections.com. But frequently, I prefer that you reach out to me first anyway. And then we set up whatever is the appropriate situation for you. So I have some basic packages available, but frequently I deviate from that because I want to make sure that whatever I'm offering you is appropriate for you and your pet, that it's enough time to work through whatever the challenge is. So yeah, just reach out and mention that you heard about it on the show and I will hook you up. Perfect. Awesome. Again, thank you so very much. And yeah, I stay tuned because we will be doing a full-on same thing, actually. I think I'm just going to get Jenny to totally put me on the spot, ask me a question about something she is working on with her bike, and we will work through it the way I do when I work with clients online. So stay tuned for that. Jenny, you need to get out on your bike and go and find some problems. And go have some problems. So what I do in the world is I work with women. I help them drop in confidence for as I say, dropping in on your bike, dropping in in your life, dropping in in your business, especially in areas where you may have crashed, failed, or feel like you have a lack of confidence. So if you're watching, you'll see that I'm waving around my broken arm. You know, things go wrong, whether it's on your bicycle, whether it is figuratively speaking in your business, things happen and then we are less willing to drop in. So I help people move through that and get to a space where they are willing to be in a place where all failure is just feedback. So you can find me at Betty Gohard on Instagram and Natasha Lockie on Facebook. And yeah, if you're struggling with any bike trauma or just life trauma that's holding you back, reach out and I can help. I'll let you wrap us up here, Jenny, because you do that so well. Yes, I'm Jenny Brandon. I'm an animal communicator and energy healer for animals and their people too. You can find me on the web at soulpetconnections.com and also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under the same handle. So thank you so much again for joining us today. I hope that you have gotten a lot out of this episode. And please like, comment, and subscribe. We would love to hear from you. If you want to let us know if you have questions for either one of us or want to hear something on a future episode, uh, shoot us a message. We would be happy to do that. So thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you next time. See you later.